What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What is up, you guys? This is Bram from The Present, and I wanted to talk to you about this episode before it even started. So I'm out of town this week. In fact, I'm literally sitting in my car, drinking a beer, looking at Lake Tahoe as we speak. I may or may not be in somebody else's driveway. Not important, but what that means for us is that we weren't able to record a live episode. The last thing we were going to do is leave you without a podcast. So we reached back into our archives and pulled out one of my favorites. This is a podcast from way back in 2015 when we spoke to Bob McKillop, who was Steph's head coach back at Davidson. A couple of things worth noting here. Since it's an oldie but goodie, you're going to hear Scotty, uh, old Scott here, and you're going to hear me sounding super canned and exceptionally nervous, maybe far more importantly. You're also going to hear unbelievable stories from Coach McKillop about Steph, not only from college, but also from the recruiting process and a bunch of other just great stuff. So hopefully you enjoy it. Certainly we will be back next week. And with that in mind, go Warriors. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram. And with me, as always, my boy and producer, Scott. Scott here. And joining us for the first time, head coach of Davidson for 26 years, the NABC Coach of the Year in 2008, the SOCON Coach of the Year in 94, 96, 97, 2002, 2005, 07, 2012, and 2013, and the man who both recruited and coached Steph Curry in college, Coach Bob McKillop. Hey, Coach. Great to be with you guys. Thank you for having me on. It is an absolute honor to have you on, Coach. We genuinely appreciate it. I know we've got limited time. Let's jump right in. And I want to start very briefly about you. I've done some research. I looked at Davidson. It's my understanding it's not a huge school. Uh, enrollment's only about 1,800. In fact, it's one of the smallest Division One schools in basketball. In fact, smaller than some of the surrounding high schools. But you've won 62% of your games over a 26-year stretch. You've led them to 13 regular season championships in the Southern Conference, seven NCAA or NC2A tournament bursts, rather. And uh, most recently, you guys not only joined, but you're sitting atop the Atlantic 10 Conference. How'd you do this, Coach? How'd you take a smaller school and have such steady success? Well, you, you, you first have to have a, uh, a foundation. And then uh, Davidson back in the 60s is one of the great basketball stories, I think, of the past uh, the 20th century, uh, Lefty Drizel in 1962 became the head coach. He was a high school coach in Virginia, became the head coach at Davidson, and turned him into a perennial power in the 60s and had uh, a, a former Golden State Warrior, Fred Hetzel, play for him. Sure. He had uh, a great All-American, Mike Malloy, uh, and he had a host of terrific, terrific players and uh, took Davidson to two Elite Eights. And uh, I think one game away from the Final Four both times. Uh, and then he went off to Maryland in 1969. And Terry Holland uh, didn't miss a beat, came and continued much of that success, and then went off to Virginia. And then in 72, when Terry left to go to Virginia, uh, there was a period of about uh, 15, 16, 17 years where coaches turned the whole situation over by being fired, by leaving, and as a result, there was no continuity. 
And uh, I've been fortunate to have some continuity. And uh, I, I think having that tradition that Lefty had established and Terry had established uh, allowed me to have a something to point to allowed our alums to say, Hey, we can do this. And then, uh, I also had the fortune of, uh, outstanding assistant coaches and who've got great players for us. So, uh, pretty easy recipe for success. You know, your humility is very impressive, but I'm not going to let you get away with that alone. My understanding is you've played such a big role in this school's success that they've literally renamed the Wildcats home court in Belk arena to McKillop court in your honor. Is that true? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm a little bit overwhelmed by that, but uh, it is a tremendous honor to be playing on a uh, court named after you, and uh, it's uh, 26 years of uh, of, of tremendous uh, support from Davidson College, our alums, and and to this day, I've got uh, 26 years of players who uh, are almost like sons to me. Well, I tell you what, I can't even get my name on this podcast, so I'm remarkably impressed. <laughs> I also imagine that's got to be one heck of a recruiting tool, walking a recruit into the arena and just casually showing them your name on the floor. Uh, that's got to be pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit uh, – uh, sometimes it's, uh, it gets me a little bit red-faced sometimes. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm honored to have such a, such a, a statement about the support of Davidson. Yeah, well, we are honored to have you on. Uh, let me ask you some questions about Steph. And let me start it this way. Uh, before you even started recruiting him, how'd you first hear of him? Because I know he wasn't a huge name at high school and first. So what was it that drew you to him? Well, uh, he was about nine or 10 years old, and he played summer baseball on an AAU team called the Charlotte Heat. And uh, our son, Brendan, was the second baseman. <laughs> so I would say it was uh, maybe eight or ten weekends in that summer when Steph was nine, ten years old that I would spend every weekend with him, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, with Steph, uh, Dell, Sonia, and my wife, Kathy, and uh, our son, Brendan, in uh, various cities throughout North Carolina and uh, became very familiar. And, of course, knowing Dell from his – Dell was a legend in Charlotte Hornet history. I mean, right. he's, he's one of the – the greatest ambassadors of the NBA and what he did in the city of Charlotte in terms of Hornet history. So he's, he, Dell was well known, uh, Sonia, an engaging, lovely lady. And of course, uh, Steph, uh, a baseball team, they have our son, Brendan. What did that show you? I mean, that's a young age for him and, and you're talking Correct. baseball there. So did you see something at that point or that was just kind of the first that he was on your radar? Uh, Eye-hand coordination, uh, I've always been a great believer in genes. And, uh, you know, we had Brendan Winters uh, play for us. His dad, Brian Winters, actually was the coach, I think, of the Warriors maybe at one point. He sure was. Uh, uh, And Brian was a great NBA player. Uh, uh, I've had about uh, six, eight guys who have had either cups of coffee in the NBA or careers in the NBA or careers in Europe, and their sons have become terrific players for us. And uh, I've always felt that something happens when a, when a young boy grows up with a dad and he comes to the gym every day and watches film with him and goes to shoot-arounds. And uh, Steph certainly uh, was a beneficiary of that experience with Dell and Sonia. Sure. And so you notice him as a baseball player at nine. Let's fast forward, what, six, seven years. He's now a high school player. Yeah, he started to follow his career. He started to play for Charlotte Christian. And as a ninth grader, you started to see him develop and 10th grader and you know, uh, I guess it was the end of his 10th grade year, we started following him and recruiting him. And he was still uh, very young-looking, uh, very, very 
youthful, very thin, frail, but there was there was something about him. And I I, I think the turning point for me was uh, the summer AAU circuit in Las Vegas. Uh, I watched him play, and Bell was coaching the team, and he had a miserable first half. Huh. Stefan did. He turned it over maybe eight times. He missed shots. But throughout the process, he never once complained about an official's call, never once stopped to encourage his teammates, was attentive in the huddle, got back on defense, still distributed the basketball, showed no emotional signs of reacting to some of the misfortune that he was facing. And I said, that, that guy has an ability to play in the present and not worry about the past. Sure. And uh, I, I marked that down on my, in my notes, and as I followed his high school career, I'd sort of see him miss three, four shots in a row, but he'd never stop. He wouldn't let that affect his confidence. And wouldn't you know, we recruit him, he comes to Davidson, and his first college game was against Eastern Michigan in a tournament in Ann Arbor, a Michigan tournament. And in that game, we're down 18 at halftime. Stefan started and had eight turnovers in the first half. Huh. And uh, my assistants were saying, we discussed that halftime should be taken out of the lineup, should we start somewhere else? And I recollected that experience in Las Vegas. And wouldn't you know, we turned the game around in the second half, we win, and the next night, Steph drops 30 on Michigan, and it was full speed ahead from that on. <laughs> there you go. You know, I'm eager to talk about his collegiate career, but i got to give you a follow-up about the actual recruiting process because I'm just fascinated in it. So, you know, you, you notice his skill set at nine. He's a friend, obviously, with your son. You get to know his parents. At what point do you realize that you're recruiting him? And does, does that change your relationship with the parents at all? I mean, are you, are you kind of subtly recruiting him until he gets into high school? Does it not start till he starts playing basketball? Yeah, when is that process? Well, I never really recruited him in, in when he was a 9, 10, 11, 12 year old. I just had a recollection of yeah. you know, his name and that he was actually somebody we'd probably look at. And it wasn't until he was actual varsity competitor in the 10th grade that we, uh, we started to recruit him. Okay. And uh, we started attending his high school games, going to his summer league games, summer AAU games, visit him in his high school. And then it really went big when he became a junior. That's when we really became a little bit more aggressive about it. And I, I did a little bit of research and noticed that only three major schools offered him a scholarship. You guys, Winthrop, Virginia Commonwealth. When you start recognizing the kind of game that he has, do you have to keep your enthusiasm down so other coaches don't start barnstorming this thing? Or did you not have to worry um, about that? Yeah, I wasn't that much of a genius. You know, I, I didn't. <laughs> At, at that point in his development, I didn't have a forecast that he was going to be what he is, and I don't think anybody could. I guess I was always concerned that Virginia Tech might take him, and because of his dad and mom having been alums and his dad's such a great success story. Uh, so that was always in my mind, but uh, they never did, and uh, thank goodness, boy, oh boy, thank goodness. <laughs> Hey, well, you know, the things that are meant to be are meant to be. This episode of the Warriors Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, the official sports bar of the huddle. The weather's getting warm, and I cannot think of a better way to spend an afternoon or evening than sitting outside with some homies, drinking a beer, and watching a game. Luckily, the Athletic Club Oakland has me covered. They shut down the entire street next to their normal space and created an enormous outdoor section called the Town Gardens. It's got TVs everywhere, comfortable seating, and their full food and bar service. 
It's the perfect place to watch the game with friends while enjoying this beautiful summer in the Bay. It's now our go-to spot, and hopefully we'll see you there. In fact, Bram, Marcus, and I are there all the time, so if you show up and we see you in huddle gear, you've got a beer on us. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. I have also noticed now fast-forwarding us to the present, but it'll look back onto the collegiate career. Steph has TCC30 tattooed on his wrist, which stands for a message that you have spelled out in the Davidson locker room. Trust, commitment, care. I'm not sure I'm telling you something that you don't already know. Most NBA superstars do not have their college coaches or coaches' lessons tatted on their bodies. Uh, Did he always listen to all the messages that you had? How coachable was this guy? Uh, that was an incredible aspect of Steph and uh, his coachability. Um, you know, there are so many stories I could tell you about him. His ability to... We're interested in all of them, Coach. <laughs> okay. You know that in the Elite Eight year, uh, we're getting ready to play either... I think it was Duke in the Hornets Arena. And we had a practice six or seven days before our game. And Stefan had been bothered by a wrist injury. And that day, his dad and our trainer and myself and Stefan sat down. Now, this is his sophomore year on the edge of the court in the end zone at Hornets Arena while our guys were free shooting before the workout. And Stefan made a decision at that point that he was not going to have surgery and put aside his sophomore year. He was going to play through the pain. Not many people know that story, that he actually almost didn't play a sophomore year, the Elite Eight year. Yeah. And the comment he made was, I could not let the seniors down. There were three seniors on that team, Thomas Sander, Jason Richard, and Boris Menno. And Stefan said, I cannot let those guys down. This was coming after a fantastic freshman year. We lost to Maryland in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Steph had 30 in that game. He was a superstar on the rise, and he knew this was the last rodeo for those three guys. And he said, I can't let them down. I'm going to play through the pain. And uh, taped it up and played through it and uh, marvelously and magnificently led us to the Elite Eight. So that's a a, a great story about the kind of person he is. Do you have a favorite memory? I mean, honestly, any possible story you have about Steph, we will eat up. Are there other things that stick out in your mind? Uh, certainly I'll never forget this, uh, freshman year. Uh, we, uh, we have individual instruction and, um, you're allowed two hours a week with your players up until practice began. I was so overwhelmed by how good he was in terms of seeing the game. I think that's his greatest asset. He sees the game. His eyes are incredible. Uh, yeah, he's a great shooter. Yes. He's a great dribbler. Yes. He's a great ball handler. Yes, he's a great this, but he has the greatest capacity of anyone I've ever seen to see the game. And it's so flawed me and so overwhelming. We had our typical uh, dog and pony show where you go out and you talk to the alums and you rev them up for the season in mid-October. And I said to a group of alums, about 150 alums at a meeting in Charlotte, I said, you are going to be surprised. This guy is going to be a superstar. And that's before he ever put a uniform on and played in a regular game. And Dell was actually at that, that alumni gathering. Dell Curry was at that alumni luncheon. And uh, I feel very good that I made that statement so early <laughs> in his career. He got me to believe real early. He, he made a believer of me. Um, 
so that was uh, one story. There's another great story, too. Um, he and his teammates would go out to dinner every Friday night in the various local restaurants. And I think they still do it now with Golden State, where they uh, you know take the credit cards out and they put in the hat. Whoever picks the card out, uh, he pays for the dinner. So Credit card roulette, sure. Yeah, he's continued that tradition with the with the Warriors, but but he had that tradition as a freshman and sophomore at Davidson. <laughs> and um, one Friday night, they go out to a restaurant called Kabuto's, and um, there's a guy that owned Kabuto's that calls me about 48 hours later, and he says, uh, "Your players created a problem for me last Friday night." And now, of course, my antenna is really up. <laughs> and apparently one of our players, one of Steph's really good friends, Steve Rossiter, jumped into the fish tank. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and and Steph, Steph was the guy that was uh, uh, small talking the, the, the hostess so that she couldn't see Steve go behind the counter and jump into the fish tank. <laughs> so as a punishment, they had to go and stand out in front of Kabuto's and sign autographs the next Friday or two Fridays later. <laughs> but that, that's kind of a, that's about as bad as it got in Stefan's career with his teammates in terms of doing things. <laughs> so did you see this coming? I mean, I, 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 in fact, I read that story that you went public in the alumni uh, meeting and said, this kid's going to be a star and change our program. But did you ever see this kind of stardom? I mean, starting all-star in the NBA? Dick McGuire, uh, the, the great legend for the Knicks, Dick McGuire, came to one of our practices. Uh, I think it was at the end of his uh, freshman year or maybe early in his sophomore year. And told me point blank, he said, this guy's going to be a star. And and I thought he had the capacity to be a very, very good NBA player. Uh, I always wondered whether he would be able to stand up to the 82-game schedule yeah. and the playoffs and the size of the athletes. That was my only concern. And uh, I think it played itself out a little bit with that ankle injury. But that was sort of an aftermath of what had happened in his Davidson career where he hurt his ankle. Uh, but the only thing I had hesitation about was if he was going to be able to uh, maintain uh, himself against the physical uh, aspect of NBA uh, play. Sure, sure. And he seemingly fixed that. I mean, I'll knock on wood, but it, it seems like those uh, ankle problems are certainly behind him. Um, let me back us up just two seconds. You mentioned the 2008 tournament run. You know, Steph's star started shining very brightly after his first couple of years in NCAA basketball. Did his personality ever change? Did he ever buy into his own media Never clippings? once. Huh. Never once. You know, picture this. You, you have uh, uh, Stephen's freshman year, the three upperclassmen. We didn't have any. We had one senior who was a walk-on, John Falcone, but we had three senior, uh, juniors, Sander, Menno, and Richards. And it was now their time to shine because the previous year we made the NCAAs, lost to Ohio State, but had seven seniors on that team, and they were the shining lights on that team. So now these three juniors had waited patiently, and now was their time in the, in the, in the sun. And Steph comes on board, and, and they completely uh, turn the team over to Stephen. Uh, for a freshman to earn that kind of uh, respect, admiration, support, sure. teamwork uh, from three tough, hard-nosed uh, juniors, uh, showed me a lot about the kind of person he was. And if you read any of his comments in the media, you hear any of his comments on TV, on the radio, he was always thanking them for the extra pass, for the screen, for getting the rebound and throwing the outlet, for getting out of foul trouble by blocking shots. Or He, he always found a way to acknowledge a teammate. And wow. that was as a freshman. 
and I think it was that extraordinary thing that, uh, you know, just as he said with his uh, wrist injury, he was not going to let the seniors down. I think the seniors and the whole team would never want to let Steph down. Wow. Are, are there any weaknesses he can still work on now? I mean, how can Steph get better at this point in, in his career, do you think, Coach? Um, you know, how, how, how could Pop Pavarotti you know, sing better notes? How could Barisha <laughs> dance better steps? Nicely handled, Coach. Um, I mean, this guy's Pavarotti. This guy's Barishnikov. This guy is... Uh, He's an icon. He's he's uh, and and he's it's not just his performance on the court. His performance off the court is is equally as iconic. Are you guys still pretty close today? I get the sense that this relationship yeah, is we, deep. Yeah, I I think I spoke to him about three weeks ago, two weeks ago, and we text every uh, week or two. So uh, we we stay in close touch. Coach, you are a class act. I can't tell you how much Scott and I appreciate you coming on. Uh, it was above and beyond. We really thank you. Well, delighted to be with you, and any time I could speak about Steph, uh, it's a great honor for me, and uh, he's like uh, one of my sons, and uh, I just have the greatest greatest uh, love and admiration for him. So thank you. Our pleasure, Coach. Thanks for listening this week, you guys. Huge fun this week, just like it is every week. Please remember that if you'd like to reach out to us and uh, email us, we can be reached at warriorshuddle at gmail.com. And in fact, we've made it even easier. You can do it right from your phone. If you look at the app description, we actually have a link to our email accounts. All you have to do is press that and you're immediately linked up to us. You can also hit us on Twitter. Our handle there is at warriorshuddle. Thanks a lot. Go Warriors. See you in a week. Good, good.